Thanks for joining us today on the NateHoldridge.com podcast. Hey, so just a quick word about the title for this episode. You'll notice there that it says the end of season one and is pretty self-explanatory, but we are wrapping up season one here and I can't even tell you, we are so thankful for everything that has happened over the course of this first season. It has been such a blessing to be able to have these conversations and to talk to people just like you listening about what God has been doing in your life as you've been listening to these, as the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction and knowledge and application and help into your life. We are just blown away by what God does through speaking and having conversations about him. And we are so looking forward to season two with you. Um, Beginning in September, we'll have some new episodes, some new articles, a ton of good content coming your way. Uh, Pastor Nate, till then, we'll be taking um, some vacation time and we're just going to be thinking through some stuff for the next season. But man, we are so looking forward to it and are so thankful for you Um, that you would allow us the space in your life to be able to speak to you about various topics, about your faith and about scripture, about life. And so um, please tune in in September for some new things directed at um, just lifting you up in your faith. So we'll see you uh, back with some new things in September. Today, we're looking at an article that Pastor Nate wrote called The Six Ways to become a man of God. If you're listening right now and you're a man, we're very thankful that you're here. If you are here and you are a woman, we are so glad that you're here. We believe that these principles that we're talking about today are applicable to men and women, but we are kind of turning the spotlight a little bit towards men, putting them on the spot and speaking directly to them because we want to see men who are raised up by the Holy Spirit to be people who love others, care for people, and honor God's name above all other names. And so, without further ado, let's just jump right into the conversation. So, step one, get your uh, your milk, your chicken, your protein. Step two, get the muscle shirt, step three, get the gym membership. Well, we're talking about being a, a man That's how you God, be a man. right? That's how you be a man. <laughs> uh, I was like, what is what, he talking about? Going? The milk, the chicken? <laughs> being a man of God. Hey, no joke, when I was in Bible college, and I, I have to admit, this is kind of embarrassing, but like four or five years ago, I was asked in a class, what... Like, what does a leader look like? What does, like, a Christian man who's a leader look like? And I got picked on for it. And I was like, well, I think he's probably tall. He's got, like, a chiseled jawbone, you know? He's got a deep voice and everything. And my teacher is like, dude, what are you talking about? That's not, like, what makes a man a man. That's not what makes a a leader a leader. He's like, it's so much deeper than all that. And I was like, oh, shoot. I just didn't even know, you know? <laughs> But talking I think about that's awesome that you said that out loud. That's, I know that's, that's I, incredible. Hey, maybe somebody else is there too, and they resonate with that. I have no idea. I was so naive. I felt like, but I just didn't even know like what a Christian man was supposed to look like. Mm. I didn't know what a godly man was all about. 
I just knew things that the world told me was mm. manly mm. and masculine, you mm. know? Mm. But what's really cool about this article that you wrote is that it doesn't talk about the things even that the world would lift up as manly or macho, you know? Things that people look at and are like, that's success, that's what I want to be all about. But it was really stuff about the heart of a man and really stuff that reflects the heart of God in our world, which I thought was really, really cool. And, you know, there's six things that you wrote about in this article, six ways to become a man of God. And uh, there's a few of the different things in that article that we've talked about in previous podcasts, like about prayer, about scripture, things like that. So a lot of good stuff in here. But there's three real real main points I wanted to ask you about okay. today, Nate, and kind of just wrestle through yeah, a little yeah. bit because I thought they were really specific to this article in particular. And um, those three things were um, loving God's reputation. I thought that mm-hmm. was so cool. Mm. Um, attending God's school, which mm-hmm. would be fun to dig into, mm-hmm. and expressing God's heart, which is something mm-hmm. I think will be interesting to talk about from a male perspective. Um, but maybe we can kind of just start off with... Uh, your heart for this article before we even dive into that what were you thinking about when you wrote this article in particular for men yeah so i had the the end of the the chapter which comes from first kings chapter 17 in mind because mm-hmm. in that first chapter of elijah's life and that's what first right. king 17 is uh the the chapter ends with the uh woman declaring now i know that you are a man of god Mm. so kind of my heart in it was okay you know it's one thing to be a man of god before god and god knows it god believes that god sees that and god has developed that but it's another thing entirely for someone in your life that you're called to take care of to say of you out loud now i know that you are a man of god so with that kind of thought in my mind, I, I just wanted to write about some uh, a kind of a process in Elijah's life mm-hmm. that as he went through that process, so also we as men might also go through that process to where the people in our lives would also say, now we know that you are a man yeah. of God. I love that. You know, because I think that's what we want. I mean, she said that because she was so thankful and blessed for Elijah's presence in her life. Hmm. So there were just certain things that Elijah went through that got her at least to the point of confessing that. And, you know, as a husband or as a father or a pastor or leader or friend, you know, I want all these different people in my life that I'm called to care for to say that, you know, to, to not just say it because I've faked it, but to say it because this legitimate real thing has happened to them as a result of what God has been doing through mm-hmm. me to where they would, you know, have that feeling, this is a man of God. This is what he yeah. looks like, you know, the totally. kind of the thing that you were talking about in the Bible college class, you know, that now I know what it looks like right. because I'm seeing yeah. it, you know, lived out right right in front of me. Hmm. That's good. I love that, thinking about there's this personal devotion to God that's honoring to him. But then through that, there should be, and people should see that externally in our lives, and that should be like a mark of who we are, that we are a man of God. Yeah, it's one thing to say, 
I'm a man of God, or mm-hmm. I want to be a man of God, or I love God so much. And it's another thing entirely for other people to say, totally. you're a man of God. You know, that's <laughs> how I feel about you. That's what I mm. see in you. That's good. Cool. Well, now kind of diving into the article a little bit, mm. I wanted to ask you about this idea of loving God's reputation. And, you know, I mean, for me, the first thing I think about when I hear loving God's reputation is almost like a, I feel like I, I, I personally have like this little bit of like a stigma with those words because I just think of like that person who's made trolling on Facebook, going to different people's posts that are talking bad about God or are not Christians, but mm. are mm. just confused, you know, mm. and people saying like, you're so wrong, you're such a sinner mm. and being really condemning, you know, but mm. in the name of honoring God's name, but the, the angle you're taking from Elijah's life, it, it isn't like that. So can you kind of tell us what that, like what does it look like for a man to to love God's reputation? Yeah, so in the, in the story of Elijah, you know, really all of what he was about kind of stemmed from this passion in his life. I mean, his mm-hmm. very name, Elijah, means God is Jehovah. Yeah. Or God is God, which was a direct contrast to the environment in northern Israel at the time where Jezebel had developed this big campaign to say to northern Israel, Baal is God. So Elijah is on the scene saying, no, Baal is not God. God is God. Hmm. So for him, you know, he's looking at like God's people. He's seeing all the different things that they're turning to that are wrapped up in their worship of Baal. So Hmm. prosperity um, you know, agricultural blessing, which would lead to prosperity, right. uh, thinking that the power rested in Baal. Mm-hmm. And Elijah is announcing, no, the power isn't there. Baal cannot do it. Baal's name cannot provide. It's God who can do this yeah. for you. It's God who can provide. It's God who can bring the rain. It's God who can defend and protect you. So when you think about it, you know, from that angle, I think you're seeing a man who is brokenhearted mm-hmm. when God's people turn elsewhere when they should be turning to the Lord. Right, right. Uh, he's not, I don't think, you know, trolling people online and, you know, being that kind of guy. <laughs> right. But his heart is broken. He's saying, you guys are missing out. There mm-hmm. is this God who is able to to provide that for you. You don't have to turn to, you know, you're depressed. Well, there's a God in heaven. You mm-hmm. need provision. There's a there's a God in heaven. You're feeling lonely. There's a God in heaven. You're uh, hungering and thirsting for something deeper and more meaningful in life. Yeah. There's a God in heaven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he just wanted them so badly to know God, to know how wonderful God is Mm. uh, so that they could be, you know, satisfied completely and totally in him. Mm. So I think like in our modern time, it's not really all that difficult to imagine what that looks like for us Mm. as God's men. First of all, you have to drink deeply of God himself so that you yourself know that God's name, God's reputation, God's character, God's nature, who God is actually is the best. So that 
you know, when you look around you and you see someone or you see a group of people, believers, who are turning to lesser elements to try to find satisfaction, mm-hmm. that would break your heart, not because you're angry at them, but because you realize, man, you guys are, you're missing out on the great blessings that mm-hmm. are available to us in Christ. So I think that's part of what it means, yeah. you know, to be loving God's reputation. You know, I mean, Jesus told us to pray, um, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your yeah. name. You know, so yeah. that's our heartbeat. That's our desire. That's our first and primary request as Christians in mm. prayer to God is that his name would be the honored name, the hallowed name, mm. the respected name. And it, it is, I mean, you probably have seen it. You know, it's just a bummer when somebody is you know, naming the name of Christ, yeah. naming the name of God, but yet turning everywhere else for mm. their satisfaction, their help, their strength. When they're in trouble, it's, you know, immediately turn to friends. When they're, you know, feeling empty, it's, I need to make more money. Right. When mm. uh, they're depressed, it's, I need to take a pill or smoke you know some weed there's all these different things that people try to turn to for Mm -hmm. satisfaction and the men of god would say but there's this god who can do the best version of all of those things that you're chasing after elijah knew that if the people of israel pursued baal it was going to leave them absolutely empty yeah so true that there wasn't anything real or substantive behind him so i think that's part of where the the desire for God's reputation yeah. would would take us in our modern time. That's so good too. It's not about holding up a picket sign against a certain people group or yeah, trolling on Facebook or online or something like that. It's about lifting up the character of God to people and saying, This is this is who God is and this is what He's done for you. This is what He wants to do for you right now, rather than turning to other things that may promote themselves as God. Being mm-hmm. like, no, this is the reputation of the one true living God. Mm-hmm. This is who we want you to to see. I love that. So, so a man of God lifts up the reputation of God for the people in his life. And then one of the next points you get to, Nate, is about is about this um, idea that we attend God's school, and uh, it's not your normal school. This is not your home school. This is not your public school. This is like God's school. God's school <laughs> doing His thing in your life, and so. Can you talk to us a little bit about what what did Elijah get himself into and what was God doing in him through this idea of like school? Like what was he teaching? Sure, Elijah? yeah. So this fire burnt within him, you know. He yeah. was just so um, you know, passionate for the for God's reputation, for the mm-hmm. name of God, you know, and it, it got him to a place, I think, as he read through the the Bible and he came to the place of, of understanding that God had promised that drought would come upon the land when yeah. they committed themselves to idolatry. So I think he started praying privately mm-hmm. for that drought to come. God, you said that you would bring it. They're worshiping this idol who, by the way, is claiming to bring the rain. Mm-hmm. So would you withhold the rain in accordance with your holy word? Yeah, like he said, yeah. So then he bursts on the scene eventually in this great act of faith and goes before King Ahab and announces, it will not rain here in Israel except by my word for mm-hmm. these years. So a big, bold pronouncement, all fueled with by <laughs> yeah. this love for God's name and reputation. Yeah. And then God 
tells him to go to the brook Cherith um, in a place uh, uh, for a place as a place of hiding mm-hmm. uh, from Ahab, and that he would drink the water from the brook, and that every day in the morning and in the evening ravens would come and bring him meat right. to eat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, Cherith means cutting or place of cutting. Mm. And so you imagine now Elijah by this brook, and he was there, it says, until the brook dried up. So he's in that place. He's learning all these different lessons. You know, he's learning, first of all, that God will protect him. Mm -hmm. He's learning also that God will provide for him miraculously, if need be, through the birds, the ravens, bringing him meat. He's also learning that God will uh, provide for him very naturally as the water flows from the Mm -hmm. brook. So both God's supernatural and natural provision upon his life. He's learning that he is going to be impacted by the trial or the consequences that are being brought upon Israel just like everybody else because his brook eventually dries up just like all the other water sources in northern Israel were beginning to slowly dry up. He's learning how to be alone, how to be in a place of um, solitude before God because nobody else is there with him. You know, I wonder if he started having conversations with the ravens, you know, in the morning and in the (laughs) evening. So he's learning that. He's learning, I'm sure, how to commune with God and with God alone as he's out there, you know, alone by himself, away from friends and family. So in all of that, as he's learning and learning and learning and learning, I just couldn't help myself to say he went to God's school. And (laughs) God had a training regimen for this man. He had a curriculum for this man that was custom tailored for Elijah that would teach him lessons that he needed to know for the future things that he was going to do. He needed to believe yeah. that God would miraculously provide for his life. He'd need to see, he'd need to believe in the miraculous when it mm-hmm. came to him going to Zarephath and uh, miraculously providing for the widow and then eventually right. raising her son back to life. He'd need, of course, to believe in the miraculous hand of God when he went, went ultimately to Mount Carmel mm-hmm. and called down the fire of God upon his sacrifice Publicly, he'd need to believe in the power of God when he went up and prayed that the Lord would begin to bring rain mm. upon the earth once again. Right. So God is shaping this man. Every single day when this meat is being brought, he's being built up to know, okay, God can do this. God can do this. God can do this. God can work in miraculous ways. So God is shaping this mm. guy. You need to learn how to be alone, Elijah, because... When you're up on Mount Carmel and all of these people are there watching and there are 450 prophets of Baal, you're going to be the solitary figure. So you need to figure out how to be alone before me out here so that you can be alone before me wow. in front of all of those people. Yeah. So these were all important lessons for Elijah to, to be able to learn and for God to saturate his heart with. So this takes patience for the man of God. Right. We often want yeah. to just, you know, boldly go out and do, do, do for the Lord. But mm-hmm. he has to be given an opportunity to build us up. We have to, like wow. Moses, be able to go out into the wilderness for those 40 years of training and mm-hmm. discipleship where we're being built up. We have to be able to, 
you know, like young David, take care of the flocks and learn yeah. how to, you know, be a shepherd and, and, and then also learn the lessons out in the wilderness under the persecution at the hand of Saul. We have to, like Paul, the apostle, learn how to go back to Tarsus or go out into the wilderness and spend those 10 plus years in preparation mm -hmm. before God allows us that open door opportunity in Antioch to preach the gospel and encourage the believers there. Right. So we have to be willing to go through the preparatory stuff before mm -hmm. God begins really using our lives. But also once we're in the process of God using our lives, we have to continue to turn to him in his school to say, God, what lessons do you have for me? Hmm. I'm not fully there. I'm not fully formed. I'm not fully shaped. So what deficiencies are there in my character or nature or my way of doing things that you want to teach me about? What obstacles right. are you going to put in my way that are actually great lessons for me hmm. to be able to learn? David, over and over again, I love what he said about Saul, his father-in-law, who was trying to kill him multiple right. times. I think it's like a, over a dozen times that Saul tried to actually take David's yeah. life and he of course pursued him you know with a lot of constancy but uh, over and over again David said Saul is the Lord's anointed yeah. and I will not touch the Lord's anointed and so often we just don't know that that really difficult class or that really difficult mm -hmm. person or that really difficult instructor or that really difficult conflict or relationship or that really difficult uh, circumstance or trial or that time where a bank account you know uh, gets to the uh, low point you know yeah. when we're going through all of that mm -hmm. we have no idea how many lessons God is trying to teach us in that so moment true. and to embrace yeah. that and to say, this is part of God's school that he's trying to bring mm -hmm. me through. The church planner that's sitting there with 10 people and he's thinking to himself, you know, I thought at this point I'd be so much further down the mm -hmm. line in where this church would be. And, and I've got these 10, but I thought we'd by now have 50 or 100. Mm -hmm. I thought we'd have a much bigger footprint or impact in this community by now. But you just don't know what God is yeah. doing and how he's trying to shape you for the future stuff that he's trying to do. You know, I pray that all the time here in this church. Like, God, I want you to do more. I want you to expand the reach of this church. But on the other hand, I don't want you to do it for us if I'm not ready, if we're not ready mm -hmm. for that. Teach That's us good. the lessons that we need to learn for the next things that you have for us mm -hmm. in life and in ministry. So I think a lot of times we don't want to submit to God's school. Right. We That's don't true. want to go to the Brook Cherith. We don't want to, you know, be there day after day, but it's in our best interest to do so. Amen. Yeah, if you're listening to this right now and you've gotten this far into the podcast, I hope you can take some encouragement in that, knowing that whatever you're going through right now, it's kind of hard to pinpoint just like certain instances here on the podcast that might apply to you specifically, but man, God is working in your life and moving in those areas may is training you for something mm -hmm. in the future that you need some preparation for so and take I think, hope in that yeah and i think this one is really important for for men yeah because i think so too it's probably a human nature thing but i think a lot of times with men when that school presents itself i think a lot of times we want to run from it because yeah. to go into the school that god has for us it requires submission to it right and a lot of times we don't want that. So we try to avoid the difficulty or avoid mm -hmm. the conflict or avoid that leader yeah. in our lives. And we, we actually just need to come under. Yeah, that's so true. That's a good word for men. Um, just kind of moving 
right along from there. This last point I wanted to ask you about, Nate, is um, it concerns expressing God's heart. You know, it's one thing to intellectually kind of talk about who God is and to to gush in that kind of way about God, but to actually um, express in a way that involves action and emotion mm-hmm. <laughs> can be um, a harder thing. But in thinking about Elijah, I know you talk about when he was with that young boy who who died and he spread himself over him and called on God and it was this real beautiful um, picture of just care and an expression of God's love. Um, that's kind of more of like an extreme example of expressing God's heart. But what does it look like for a man to be expressive about God's heart? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, there's all these other points in the article. I'm just so sad that we're not talking about them. But <laughs> there's so much good stuff. I was actually thinking, man, we might have to circle around back to this episode or to this article oh, for another episode. Go back and read it. But yeah, so expressing God's heart. It was the last one that I that I mentioned in Elijah's story. And um, it was the kicker for mm-hmm. the widow at Zarephath. And... You know, I think so often, because what, what happened in the story, it, mm-hmm. just to refresh everybody, is that, you know, Elijah had been there and he'd been, you know, miraculously taking care of her. They had been able to miraculously eat, but that wasn't the thing that caused her to say, now I know you're a man of God. Yeah. She still, even after seeing the miraculous being wrought through Elijah, didn't come to that conclusion. Yeah. But then her son dies. And she goes to Elijah, and she's heartbroken Mm -hmm. that her child is dead. And Elijah goes up into the room, and he spreads himself out on the body. It's obviously, you know, very intense. Right. But he prays and cries out to God multiple times. Mm -hmm. He's very intense in the way that he cries out to God. And then the boy comes back to life. He resuscitates. I think a lot of the times the way we talk about prayer and the way we talk about God's nature yeah we we I think sometimes present him as if he is kind of just unconcerned Hmm. and then in prayer we're the ones who are helping him have concern and that and we we would almost want to in this story portray God as this uncaring hmm. member or part of the story, but that Elijah cared. But the reality is when he is weeping and he is crying out and he is broken over this whole thing and he is stretching himself out on this child's body and he is crying out to God, what he's doing is he is actually living out just a small degree of the care that God has mm. for this whole situation. God God hates that this child has died yeah. more than the woman, the mother herself, more than Elijah, more than the reader. God is the one who is most concerned with this mm. child's death. And obviously, I mean, the reason that that's counterintuitive to us sometimes is because we don't read the story and see, and the child died, and God said, oh my, and just immediately raise the child back to life. Mm. And then when we look around at the world, we see, 
you know, pain and heartache and tragedy. And obviously so many people will ask the question, like if God really did care, then why are all of these mm. things happening? Yeah. But God, he saw all of that brokenness. And yes, it's a slower plan and process than we probably would choose in our own doing. But God in his infinite wisdom saw the brokenness of man, all of the stuff that ha has happened and will happen as a result of sin and decided, I don't want anybody to have to live that way, right. so I am going mm -hmm. to send my own son to die on the cross so that they will not have to live that way eternally. The reality about this boy in the story is that he would be resuscitated only to die again, yeah. just like all of the characters in the New Testament who were resuscitated, Lazarus and the widow mm -hmm. at Nain's son and Jairus's daughter, they would right. all die again. So. At best, there was a temporary human happiness that was brought onto the scene as a result of these resuscitations. This little boy would eventually grow old and some sickness would overtake his body and he would die again. But by faith in God, which at his portion of life would be yet future, and what God would do in the provision of sending his own son upon the cross, that boy could grow to believe and never die ever again. Mm, so when Elijah is praying this way and mourning this way and weeping this way, he is simply expressing the heart that God himself has, the brokenheartedness that God has over the situation. So yeah. I say that because I just think a lot of times as believers, we almost like present ourselves as like apologists for God in the sense of we're apologizing right. for him, yes. you know, like, oh, hey, you know, I know this is really bad what's happening to you right now. And golly, you know, I don't know what I don't know what God's doing, you know. He's yeah. uh, there's got to be some way to explain this, you know, kind mm -hmm. of thing, but the reality is I think we can without reservation, unreservedly say to someone, you know, God hates this. Yeah. And he is brokenhearted right. for yeah. this and he has made a way of escape out of this and I'm so sorry and I don't understand how all of this works together. I just don't get it, but I just know that God hates that. Right. More than you do, he hates that. He hates seeing that, you know, child being trafficked. He hates mm -hmm. seeing that person abused. He hates seeing that racial division. He hates seeing all of that, and he hates it more than you do. He hates it more than yeah. I do. He hates that. Yeah. And for us to be able to, you know, live as men that are not apathetic to the pains of life yes. and, and of this world, but as uh, as men who express that care, like Elijah expressed that care, I think a lot of times that is the final uh, straw in somebody saying, "Now I know." that you're a man of God. Mm. You're expressing the very heart of God. You're showing me how God feels about this situation. You know, like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors for Christ. So we're representing the very heart of Christ here mm. on earth. Amen. And, um, mm. you know, the more we can do that, and obviously we don't do this perfectly or accurately uh, at all times, it's something we're wanting to grow in but as we grow in that you know we're showing people who god is and you know hopefully more and more uh, there will be that sense in those that we're called to care for where they would say you know now i know you're a man of god yeah. you know because you're, you're showing me who god is I'm, I'm seeing how god feels as a result of you being in my life
Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. For more articles and resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com and search the archives. All of his articles are there. And while you're online, please share an episode of this podcast with a friend. We would love to see this podcast get into as many hands and ears as possible. And as always, tune in next week for a brand new episode from this show. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.